0: People of Note on Fine Music Radio is proudly brought to you each week at this time by Peter Turine Productions. This is Rodney Trudgeon welcoming you to this week's edition of People of Note. Now... Jonathan Rocksmith has returned to Cape Town with a show called Key Change, following a smash success at Monte Cassino in Johannesburg. And in this brand new show, Jonathan showcases the various piano-based comedians, singers and entertainers who have shaped and influenced his musical taste through various phases of his life. And he is backed by a fantastic five-piece band playing and belting out sort of songs by Jerry Lee Lewis, Elton John, Billy Joel, pianists like Liberace, Richard Clayderman, David Foster, singers such as Carol King and Freddie Mercury, all in a personal pianistic performance. And knowing Jonathan, it's going to be a rave. Jonathan Rocksmith, welcome. Rodney, so nice to see you again. It's been ages, actually. How did you survive COVID?
1: Well, uh, I was very, very fortunate. I was part of the world tour of The Phantom of the Opera and we left i was in cape town doing starlight classics in february 2020 and we heard about this thing overseas yes and people yes, wearing masks yes. isn't that funny ha 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 and uh, i boarded a plane i landed in seoul on the 9th of march and two weeks later i watched the world collapse because up, un- up until that point korea south korea had got their numbers under control. They'd had the worst numbers for COVID up until that point. They got them under control. And the producers asked us if we were interested in just running until we couldn't. That was the that was the sort of standard sentence. And we ran for eight months, all the way Whoa. through the pandemic <laughs> as the <laughs> only musical in the world. Not only was I the only Phantom, we were the only show in the world. And we proved that the only thing that can survive an apocalypse, aside from Cher and cockroaches, is the Phantom of the Opera. Good grief. That's quite a story, John. Oh, and I mean it wasn't lost on me that I was doing a show about a guy who wore a mask and stayed away from people.
0: Yes. My goodness. And an eight
1: month run. Eight months. Capacity. We then went to Taiwan and played a stadium for three weeks of nine thousand people at capacity, wearing masks, obviously. Mm-hmm. But they hadn't had a local case in two hundred and fifty days.
0: My goodness. Talk about luck. Uh, I mean timing that really is. Yes, yes. Um, this business of going overseas as often as you do, do you enjoy all that? Because you've done many very long runs, haven't you? I've, I've come to. being one of them. Yeah, I, I've come to enjoy them. Initially, you know, um,
1: w- with Peter Turen Productions, we went overseas with Greece, uh, Joseph. Um, we went overseas with Evita and obviously Phantom. And then I also went overseas uh, with uh, Chicago. So I've done five huge international tours, and they got longer and longer as I did them. (laughs) But I've also been doing other work overseas, post-COVID, obviously, um, uh, with, you know, whether it's musicals, whether it's, I mean, private birthdays in Italy. How's that for a story? (laughs) Um, And I've also done quite a few cruise ships.
0: Ah, we must talk about cruise ships. Yes, I... Yeah, it's it's been an interesting time, let's put it that way. Yeah, and I hear you're in Cape Town. Yes, after, after five this years. Success. Is it the first time in five years?
1: First time in five years at Theatre on the Bay. I did a few shows during twenty twenty one at the Barnyard Theatres. I went back to my university. Oh, <laughs> yes, um but yeah, I haven't been at Theatre on the Bay since it shut for the renovation in I think it was 2017, 2018? Yes. Around there, Long before the pandemic, yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: Um, with all this traveling, where are you actually based? Where's home
1: for Jonathan Ruddsmith I'm, I'm still based in Johannesburg, and what's interesting is every time I go overseas and somebody says, where are you from? And I say, South Africa. The first thing they say is, oh, Cape Town. Oh, and really? I've come interesting. to answer, I, I wish I could say Cape Town, but I have to say Joburg.
0: I, as I have said before on the air, love Johannesburg, and I miss the thunderstorms terribly.
1: Well, I mean, if you walked around this morning, my goodness me, it wasn't far
0: away in Camps Bay, I can tell you. No, no, it was lovely and misty. And Tell me a little bit about the play, um, Key Change. I read sort of the basis of it, but is it your own concept entirely? i tell you how it came about. I I've, I've finished a performance of,
1: um, what was I doing? I think we were doing Back in Lights in Johannesburg. It was the first show at the Monty Theatre post-lockdown. Uh, mm-hmm. I often tend to do shows in Peter's theatres at the beginning or the end of something <laughs> yeah. really monumental. Um, I'm sort of the, the angel of death, I suppose. No, it, um, I had a lady walk up to me, she said, why don't you play the piano in your shows anymore? And I actually couldn't give her a good answer. And I thought, well, why don't I? And probably since a handful of keys, I haven't really played the piano in a show, like I'll do one number, but I won't stay mm. at the piano. Mm. And that
0: show was a huge success, Oh, yeah! I mean, we remember, we all remember that vividly. Legendary. A handful
1: of keys. And I didn't set out to write my own handful of keys. I, I thought, well, let me go back to the piano. And what, what do I want to play? And with my shows, I never just do things for the sake of. There has to be a good reason why. I never want an audience member to sit there and go, why is he playing this? Why is he seeing this? So I always bring something very personal. And this is a very personal selection of music. Um, and again, I didn't want to call it, you know, The Piano Show or Piano Men or anything like that. So <laughs> I, I selected the title Key Change because if audiences, I mean, if listeners of FMR, of course they know what key changes are, but the vast majority of people don't. So if you happen to be one of those people, that's okay. A key change is, is simply a shift in tonality. That's
0: right. That's right.
1: And it generally it's a modulation up. And a key change goes into a song to raise the emotional impact, generally. And I thought, well, I've had a few key changes in my life uh, where my musical taste has been impacted by somebody and I suddenly go along a different route. And I, so that's what the show's about, key changes in my life. And this show in itself, inadvertently, has become a key change in my career because there's not one musical theatre song in the show.
0: My goodness, how did you manage that?
1: It, precisely, <laughs> because I there's a lot of varied music that I enjoy. It's a theatrical show, absolutely, mm-hmm. but... What I'm happy to say to audiences who are umming and ahhing about buying a ticket, you'll know these songs. My goodness, you'll know these songs. <laughs> but I will present them to you in a way that you least expect.
0: So there is narration as well. You oh, yes. You are talking to the audience. I sit
1: at the piano with my with my friends who happen to be instrumentalists, and I tell you all sorts of stories from my life and my musical life. And then we play, and then we say, yes, there is singing in the show. Yes, there's piano in the show. And uh, you'll you'll be able to see... Almost everything from wherever you sit in that theatre, because we have a wonderful live feed of my hands
0: that's projected onto the back of the theatre. Yes, and may I say, this being radio and no pictures, you have painted your fingernails black and white, yes, corresponding it, it, with piano keys. Spot on. So when the when the when the camera's on you, and it's on a big screen, we will see that. Absolutely. You know, if, if if I get dressed up, my hands have to get dressed up as well. I believe. <laughs> okay. So
1: what a good are. idea! It also what stops me chewing them. Oh, I'm sure. Which is a great plus. Quite frankly. <laughs> you chew your nails, Jonathan. Oh, b- b- would you? Would you believe if I tell you that I'm a
0: somewhat anxious person? No, I wouldn't. Oh imagine. my God, yes. Because of your incredible presence on stage. Oh well, it's 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 called acting. Oh, so it is. <laughs> now, Jonathan, what have you chosen for us to listen to? I
1: have got a selection of piano music for you. Yes. Good. Um, most of these are actually in the show. But these are are pieces that mean a lot to me. So the first one is a transcription of Beethoven's Fifth Symphony for piano by Franz Liszt, played by the wonderful pianist Lang Lang. Isn't he fantastic? It's it's amazing. Isn't he fantastic? I've and seen him. I've seen him live. Oh, have you, lucky and, you! And uh, you know, he he has all of the flash, but he also has the substance behind it. Mm. And you know, he doesn't just flail his hands around when he finishes a phrase. The hand has to go up above the keyboard when he finishes a phrase because it's just he has to finish it. And I just it's so lovely seeing a physical embodiment of the writing.
0: What I've heard about Lang Lang is that he is just as you said. A very—he's a very fine musician. He's a mature magician. He's not a, a showman.
1: Not that there's anything wrong with showman, <laughs> Rodney. Yes, look, who um, I'm talking to. <laughs> but
0: yeah, he—he's uh, the real deal. But he—he he sells it as well. Yeah, and talking about showman, that was Liszt's transcription of part of the first movement of Beethoven's Fifth Symphony, there played by Lang Lang, and the first piece of my guest, Jonathan Rocksmith here on Fine Music Radio, whose new show, Key Change, opens at Theatre on the Bay on the 20th, coming up on the 20th. Well, our first performance is on the 15th. Oh. But the, the Toffs will be there on the 20th. <laughs> That's when I've been invited. <laughs> oh, so it opens on the 15th.
1: First preview on the 15th opens on the 20th. People often confuse the two. Right. Uh, right but right. from the 15th, it's 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 for the real theatre punters. And on the 20th, we'll have a few luminaries yeah. come
0: and figure out how they could have done it better. He said bitterly. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Jonathan, I want to just refer back to cruise liners. Yes. Um, I'm obsessed with cruise liners, and I'm, in fact, about to go on a cruise. But you've worked on cruise liners, you say. Yes. I'm and ex- you enjoy that sort of thing.
1: Do you know what? I always used to look down my nose at cruises because I assumed that, uh, you know, a cruise is where you go for your career to die. Mm. Uh, it's or not perhaps
0: when you write at the beginning of your career. Precisely
1: more. that. Yeah. But yeah. It's, it's, it's not true at all. It is not true. You know, I, I think I was influenced by the love boat. I assumed that it was all tacky and cheesy and, and n- nothing. But I, I'm an exclusive artist for Seabourn Cruises. Uh, a wonderful gentleman by the name of Andre uh is a, a South African guy. He's the head of entertainment for Seabourn. He saw me in Sunset Boulevard in 2013. And uh, he's stayed in contact ever since. And during the pandemic, he reached out to me, said, would you ever consider going on a cruise? And I thought, you know what? You never know. And I tried it, and I'm so glad I did because I've seen the most amazing places. I performed for the most amazing audiences, and I've met the most interesting people. And, you know, for South Africans, travel is inconvenient and expensive. So, when it's mm-hmm. part of your job, at the end of this run of key change, I go to Egypt. Oh, I go to Egypt, I go to Jerusalem, oy, and I go to <laughs> Greece,
0: and, you know, bucket list destinations. Mm-hmm, absolutely. And this is part of my this- job. I know it's your job. Gosh, oh. it must be exhausting. <laughs> Jonathan, those seaborne ships, they are, they, you, you mentioned they only take a small number of people. Well, they're
1: mega yachts, so 400 oh, are people. They?
0: Are they? They're not really considered ships, they're mega yachts. There's a whole sort of
1: terminology for them. 400 people only, no children, uh, and there's a Thomas Keller grill on board. What more do you need? What
0: more do you need? And you mentioned also—I'm giving things away here—some of the interesting people you met, like was a Trump's lawyer. Trump's
1: one of Trump's lawyers in New York, uh, the most interesting gentleman who went on board to write his memoirs for two years. He's mm-hmm. taken time out. He's travelling around the world writing. It, so I would sit on the my, yacht. Oh yes, I would sit in the hot tub at three o'clock in the afternoon and learn French on Duo. I sound like such a brat. Um, <laughs> and he would sit there, and eventually he he cottoned on to the fact that I found him interesting so he'd come and read me drafts and the most well, incredible well, stories well. i mean only on Seaborne. yes there you go did he talk a lot about trump uh, indirectly because obviously confidentiality yes, agreements of course, and all that of course. um but what i can tell you on air wow what a story <laughs> what a story he had and when his book is published i'll let you know what the title is because you've got to read that
0: okay and all this is would be in the book because it's his autobiography oh certainly his memoirs as oh, you yes. said yeah Jonathan, I mean, I'm trying to work out where to start talking about your career, but I just want to be reminded how you did start. How did Jonathan Rocksmith get into this business?
1: I was at Northcliffe High School in Johannesburg, and we were told that the Barnyard Theatre wanted to do a production of Greece with people that were the right age in high school. So I auditioned, I got in, I played uh, the Teen Angel, Beauty School Dropout, but that production—the reason I bring this up—is that production was directed by a gentleman called Ian von Memeity. Well her And I met him, an and um, he's
0: played a big role in your life.
1: Huge, yes, huge role. Um, and what a nice person! You know, he he saw something in this sweaty, overweight nineteen-year-old. <laughs> he he nurtured it. He he helped grow it. He helped develop it, and he helped educate it. And the following year, um, I auditioned for the Buddy Holly story. And I, on a whim, decided, let me see if I can learn the introduction to That'll Be the Day on guitar, which I did. Playing uh, the guitar. Playing the guitar. A7 and D major. still remember <laughs> it now. And uh, imagine how wonderful it is for me to see that there's a production, uh, Peter Turin production. Yes, opening here, do uh, Opening Buddy Holly very, very soon here mm-hmm. with the wonderful Jethro Tate in the role. Um, I can't wait to see it because there are memories in that show for me.
0: It's going to be, knowing Peter Turin, it's going to be a great show.
1: Well, I've heard some of the musicians rehearsing, Mm -hmm. and it's all live. That doesn't happen these days. And with my show, we have live musicians as well, so I notice when it's done properly. Mm -hmm. And uh, they've got all the right instruments, proper telecasters, stratocasters, the works. It's, It's the music you remember on a different level.
0: Yes, and you know, Jonathan, Peter Turin always used to have his big blockbusters here in December, Yes. The big shows like Phantom or Cats or whatever. Yes. And that hasn't happened because of the pandemic. Of course. So am I right in saying that this is the first big artscape production of Peter Tourine? Absolutely. I since mean, the in a
1: way, you could say that Peter Tourine productions are finally back this year, full throttle. Mm. You've got a big, rollicking live music show at Theatre on the Bay. You've got a big, rollicking live musical here at Artscape. And, uh, you know, he's just had the wonderful masterclass. Yes, Thunder wasn't Prestige. it? Did you so, see that? So it's, it just shows you. It's it's back. Yes, that's essentially the point of this interview, I think. In every sense, yes, it's back. Yes, I'm back
0: at Theatre on the Bay. PTP is back at Artscape. It's it's quite something. It is, and I saw. I have saw masterclass with Sandra Prince. Gosh, is that writing not incredible? It's incredible, and what a show for Peter. And apparently, it's sold out. The entire run sold out. Spot on. Spot on. As will your show, Jonathan. Well, from your lips (laughs) to God's ears and no. by God I mean Peter Turine. Oh do you? <laughs> <laughs> you did a wonderful send up of how Peter Tourine talks oh, earlier, but we don't, won't Don't don't take me off on the radio, Jonathan. Don't do my voice. So I won't. Oh, dear. Okay, no don't do, don't don't absolutely do that. not. Absolutely not. It's like
1: not. Ian McKellen always taking off Maggie Smith when he's on Graham Norton. I will not do an impression of Peter Turine.
0: <laughs> does Graham Norton who who does Maggie Smith? Ian McKellen. Wow. Have you heard
1: him? Oh, yeah. Check it out on YouTube, everybody. Uh, He gets into big trouble from her. Oh, you've not been doing me again. (laughs) And then he realizes as he did that, he just did it. So he's in trouble again.
0: (laughs) Yeah, so it goes round and round. Exactly. What did you do in the Buddy Holly? I was Buddy Buddy Holly. Holly.
1: I got the role. Ian gave me the role. And from there to here, uh, the following year, um, there was an audition for Beauty and the Beast. That's right. And Ian said, uh, you have to go. You have to go because it's being produced by Peter Turin. I thought, oh, okay. So I went and I walked into a room, and there's Peter Turin and Hazel Feldman. They were doing co-production that year. And I just had a feeling that I could be Gaston. And I was in the right place, the right people were in the room, it was the
0: right show, the right role, and here we are. You see, Jonathan, you spoke about being anxious. Now, I cannot stand you being anxious and biting your fingernails, but you require a lot of confidence to do this sort of thing, to go into these rooms. No, timing. Peter Turin taught me this. It's never
1: about luck. It's never about charm. It's about timing. It was absolutely right, and uh, as you
0: said, the right time, the
1: right place, absolutely. the right people. Absolutely, and oh. it, it, it just it just happened. Yeah. And uh, by way of a of of a, of a decent segue, somebody who really understands timing is John Schmidt, and with his piece of music that you're about to play, called All of Me. John Schmidt has the most exceptional timing of any pianist, especially if there's a musician out there listening to this. You'll understand when I say his four and is exceptional in this next piece. It's a piano piece. It's just instrumental. And halfway through, there's a direction that says, use your elbow.
0: And how? how
1: how? Have a listen.
0: So tell me about the elbow. Jonathan. With the elbow, yeah. Does he, he use he, the elbow on the
1: keyboard? He does, and it's it, it's a, actually it, there's a direction in the score uh, with your elbow. And when I saw that, I thought, well, that has to go into the show. Mm. And the first time I played it for an audience, you could actually hear the audible gasp because I think <laughs> South Africans being the conservative lot that we can be when it comes to the treatment of a piano, uh, we're not prepared for that. But when they realized that it was all part of the, the piece of music, there was such a wonderful ovation halfway through <laughs> And I thought, well, that's a nice way to start Act Two. And
0: you see that John Smith, Schmidt
1: puts that in the score and tells you oh, to okay. do that. So he went he went viral musically speaking mm-hmm. during the pandemic, and everybody was trying to learn this piece and play it. It was all over TikTok and everything. And I just thought, well, it's it's a nice thing to pop into the show and sort of rem- remind people. Yeah. And it's it's such a beautiful melody, and it's in D flat, so I love it
0: oh well there you, go. there you go all of me that was and another choice of my guest jonathan rocksmith who's in town to do a musical called key change for peter turin productions one of the things i have boy i remember when i first met you socially was with peter turin at a lunch somewhere i think it was at the mount nelson that's right yes. yes and you said something that endeared you to me very much when you spoke about gilbert and sullivan Oh yes. i realized that you were a gilbert and sullivan fan and that hair tugged at my heartstrings because you, you did a show, didn't you, which you called Topsy Turvy. That was the first solo show I ever did um, at
1: Peter's Encouragement, uh, just after Phantom, and he said, you know, he basically said, you know, now that you've established yourself as a serious, in inverted commas, artist as the Phantom, uh, do something different. And I've sort of kept that mantra throughout my career, never let them guess what you're doing next. Oh, and okay. it was a one-man show of all Gilbert and Sullivan material and I think the biggest victory about that show was how many young people came.
0: Oh, really? That is because they were like,
1: "What the hell is this?" (laughs) Yes. The poster was me dressed up as various different characters from the Gilbert
0: and Sullivan operas. Oh yes. Oh, Rodney, the operettas. Sorry, the operettas. Hello. Oh, wait. I was told by an expert to call them comic operas. Fair, fair, Fair point. Fair point. So can we, uh, we'll sort of agree. In the
1: Gilbert and Sullivan works, (laughs) I I was dressed up as the Major General and Yum Yum and all that sort of thing. And people came along who'd never heard of Gilbert and Sullivan. And the best thing I heard is after that, they went and they Googled who they were and started listening to their music again. Mm -hmm. Uh, Well, for the first time. And that I think is always the most important thing. And with Key Change, um, it's the reverse of that. I'm not bringing you songs that I know you know, but I'm, I'm introducing them At certain points in my life with you know the the what is never a problem the how is never a problem the why is always the problem and they're deeply personal stories throughout the show some funny some sad some heartfelt some not and it's 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 more than a mixed bag it's a it is a shift because I'm also very comfortable sharing this with an audience now in terms of parts of my life you know my family in particular um but also people tend to think that a pianist just sits down and just plays. But the preparation that goes into it and the mechanics of being a pianist, you know, the right hand does all the frilly bits, the left hand keeps the time, the feet do the pedals, and as I say in the show, you know, there's no more confusing an instrument than the piano because there are three pedals, but I've only got two feet. But I think the middle pedal's there to separate the other two. <laughs> right. Don't that's you? it, that's it. There you
0: go. But Jonathan, you I mean, you're a fine a pianist. You Accomplished pianist, so you must have started piano quite young. No, no, oh, I, did started, you not? I started around seven eight
1: Which is oh, relatively well, late relative. for a pianist oh, okay, um, okay. as it is, you know late for a dancer for instance yes. um, But I was obsessed with the instrument I was part of the school choir and I used to get into trouble with the conductor because I was watching the accompanist's hands not his <laughs> and <laughs> I was obsessed with this instrument and then my parents told me that I actually had a red toy piano as a child, but they would put it on the back seat um, to get me to go to school, uh, to get into the car, and I would just follow the piano. Oh. And by <laughs> and a large,
0: that's the story of my life. Following I just the followed piano. the piano. In the show Key Change, you said it's various aspects, funny things, sad things, poignant things. Was it easy to write from that point of view? Because in a sense, you're sharing yeah. something very personal. It, it with took us a long time. There. It took a long
1: time to get it right because, mm. as with any material that you want to present to an audience, getting the tone right is important. Because yes. you don't want to
0: sound mawkish and get people to... Well,
1: you, you don't want to be indulgent either. The, you don't want to be indulgent. That's you know. the word, in fact, I was looking for. Yeah, it's it's it, it goes further than that, especially yeah, because yeah. the piano is quite a selfish instrument. It's, it's just me. <laughs> yes, that's. I'll true. do it all. I don't need anything else. You that's know, right. It's, it's a self... And it's the only
0: instrument you can say
1: that of. Precisely. And I... <sighs> I knew that I want. I knew the songs. I just didn't know how to present it. I knew why I wanted to present it, but now you know we move on to the how. And I wrote it on and off the cruise ships because you have lots of time. Yes. Because the thing about being on a cruise ship is you only perform one show every three days. The rest of the time you're a guest, so you're just you know roasting on the deck or <laughs> you know pickling at the bar, and. Peter Turin is probably horrified hearing me talk about how wonderful that job is and how easy it is. And then I do eight shows a week in a musical. <laughs> um, yeah. But I had plenty of time to to gestate yes, the and then word, actually word. write it yeah, and bad. process it. And this is, of all the shows I've done, this has had the, the longest time to sort of marinate and get right. And that when I sat down to write it properly uh, beginning of November last year, it flew out of me faster than anything I've ever done. Isn't that interesting? Which tells me
0: it was right. Yes, isn't that interesting? Who's your director? Me.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Somehow I knew that was coming.
0: Do you know what? Um,
1: because I sit at the piano, I didn't need any staging. Yes. So we had, Normally I use a wonderful gentleman called Wesley Lauder, who I did The Mystery of Irma Vep with. Yes, yes, I, I know Wesley. Now, for this, because I was at the piano and because I'd done all the arrangements myself, I knew exactly how they worked and I knew exactly how I wanted to introduce them. By way of editing, I've used the audience. So a large portion yes. of the Jo'burg run is, was trimming it down, uh, adjusting it, refining it, getting it right. I mean, it's still in a state of flux, and I think that's the best part of the theatre. You're constantly you know, inspired by who you collaborate with. And yes. You've got five wonderful Cape Town-based well, four plus the bassists that we had in Joburg, Cape Town musicians, who, even though we started rehearsing just recently, they're bringing things to the table that I'm going, Oh, we can use that. Let's change it in this way. So it's a very organic piece in that yeah, sense. Yeah. And I'm nervous. I'm very <laughs> nervous because I, I don't know what a Cape Town audience is like anymore. It's been five years, really. There's um, a long time. Um, but we all love you. Well, oh, from your lips to, to their ears, please. Yes, yes, yes. But it's, it's going to be interesting. But... Th- the point is the material is such, and I think they can pick up how heartfelt it is for me mm-hmm. that they're bringing a different interpretation, which is inspiring me at the same time. So off we go. And um, yeah, a year later, it's I'm probably the most proud of this, of anything that I've done, quite frankly. That's quite a um, thing
0: to say, bearing in mind what you've done.
1: Yeah, I, I, I've written quite a bit. I've always had different collaborators, but this is the first time I've sort of just leapt off the mountain, as it were, mm, and, 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 and it, it's it's worked. Gosh, but I gosh. think I've had to get to this point in myself, personally, to be able to have that faith, and I've surrounded myself with the right people,
0: it must be said. Which must be very important. We're gonna have another piece of music Absolutely. Now. I love a piano. Who'd have thought? Exactly. Tell it, me uh, what this
1: is about. Now, this part. artist, his name is Tony dessert He's a New York-based cabaret artist who uh, won a few prizes as a student, and sat down at a bar called uh, 54 Below, famous amongst the sort of jazz scene and cabaret scene. And he played Irving Berlin's I Love a Piano, but he did his version. And there's a wonderful YouTube video that I'd encourage you to go have a look at why he loves New York City and a piano. And he went and he played on all the pianos around New York City for this music video. And it, it endeared me. And this actually opens our show Um, but it opened my eyes to what a great song this is.
2: Check this one out. I love a piano, I love a piano. I love to hear somebody play. Upon a piano, a grand piano. It simply carries me away. I get a huge kick. On an acoustic I love to run my fingers (laughs) over the keys, the ivories And with the pedal, I love to meddle When Paderewski comes this way I'm so delighted to be invited to hear a long haired genius play, so you can keep your fiddle and your bow. I wanna P I A I O O, I wanna stop right beside an upright or a high toned baby grand. A huge kick on an acoustic. I love to run my fingers o'er the keys, the ivories, and with the pedal, I love to meddle. When Paderewski comes this way, I'm so delighted to be invited to hear a long-haired genius play. So you can keep your fiddle. And bow? I want a piano. I want to stop right beside an upright or a high tone.
0: That was called I Love a Piano, Tony Dessert. Yep. I've not heard of the song or the pianist. So you're introducing us yep. as an you an do in the
1: show. S- it's an old Irving Berlin chestnut. Right, right. Um, but it's th- that version is particularly special to me because I also, th- the way he interpolates all those other themes, especially Rhapsody in Blue, it's, it's such a quintessential New York
0: theme that. So, <laughs> yeah. My guest is Jonathan Rocksmith, and his show called Key Change is about to open at Theatre on the Bay, and by all accounts, it's one of these must-see things, Jonathan. How's that? We'll be hoping. You know, I mentioned Gilbert and Sullivan earlier, and I've always liked your old-fashioned side. You do have an old-fashioned Old side. School. For example, oh, yes. Noel Coward. Oh, yes. Noel and Gertie and also um, Jeeves and Worcester. That was so much fun. That Which were so you? Fun. I was Bertie.
1: <laughs> I was Bertie.
0: Yeah, uh, we had the wonderful Graham Hopkins as Jeeves. Oh, he would do so well as Jeeves.
1: Um, and that, I mean, that play, Perfect Nonsense, was hilarious. It was just a lo- it was a load of nonsense, quite mm-hmm. frankly. But it was all about trying to find a, a cow creamer, just this little silver cow, you know, jug mm-hmm. uh, that you put milk in, and how it just kept. It was it it was a mouse trap for idiots.
0: <laughs> <let's put it laughs> what a way. lovely way of putting it. Yes. That. And Noel Coward, I can imagine that Noel Coward absolutely appeals to your humor. Very, very much so. And your, your you know, his, his, his way with words
1: as well, you know. Um, he, he was with the wonderful actress Elaine Stritch and the opening night of Sail Away, a musical that he'd written for her. And Elaine Stritch was known as uh, a, quite a loudmouth, brassy broad with horrible language. And so he said to her, The lunts want to take us, so behave, Stritchie. <laughs> And this is now Noel Coward I'm doing, yes. not Peter oh. Um just so that everybody's aware. And Elaine Stritch was so nervous she didn't say a word to them. And then he took her aside. He said, Elaine, I said, you must behave, not act like a bloody geography teacher. <laughs> one of my favorites.
0: What a lovely line. But there's so many lovely lines in all those songs. Oh, certainly. Also, um, let's talk a little bit about Phantom, which was such a big thing in your life for yeah, so long. It did you enjoy it? it? It must be a hell of a role, first of all, to sing. But did you enjoy no, it? No, it's a hell of a role to act. Really People always focus
1: on the high notes. It's not about that. You know, the Phantom's only on stage for 19 minutes of the show. What? Christine is on for two hours. She's doing the the, the, the marathon. Yeah. The Phantom yeah, yeah. is doing five 100-meter sprints, which means that you have to infuse those 19 minutes with so much that you are ubiquitous during the performance. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. It, it, it takes a lot out of you, and you have to plausibly give this melodramatic figure reason and believability but also empathy and the audience must feel for him mm. and not necessarily root for him but understand him and it it takes a lot out of you during the pandemic especially it was very difficult to do i i lost my way a few times mentally through it because it was it was scary performing through the pandemic you know mm. you were scared if you got if you got it the whole production would close and everybody would be sent home because of you so i would go from my hotel to the dressing room and back that was it I was living such a monastic existence; it drove me insane towards the end. I, I didn't cope well with it at all. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I can't think of any other role that I would put myself through f- than, than the Phantom. You know,
0: the one question I would be dying to ask you is: What do you think? Uh, what's it like to perform the song, the music of the night? Because for me, I think it's Andrew Lloyd Webber's masterpiece. That song. My
1: favourite moment is you know the phantom goes to the organ and, and sings you know i have brought you to the seat of your music uh, mm-hmm. to to christine and as he finishes that um from the moment i first heard you sing i've needed you with me to serve me to sing for my music then he takes a breath my music and the introduction to phantom is <sighs> that's the introduction to that song and at that point you can hear a pin drop in the theater because i can mm-hmm. feel the first time that that's the when the audience breathes with you and so when you finish on the, the sort of, uh, help me make the music of the night at yeah, the that. end, and you just reach your left hand out, and you, as you close it around the idea of what you hope your future with Christine will be, the lights fade with you. And if you do it properly, you can hear the audience go,
0: <sighs> at the end. <laughs> really, of the night.
1: really. The music of the night is the longest breath I hold in the entire show. Wow. made me go all goose flesh. Yeah, it, it, it's, it's, a, it's a show and a song that, Changed my life, but ultimately saved it towards the end.
0: Why do you say that? Got
1: me through the pandemic. Oh, it's so it did,
0: like the Korean oh, yes. thing. Yes, yes. Oh, yes. There's a recording, I think it's a concert performance, and um, an Iraqi is singing the role of, I don't know if you know which one I mean. Ramin Karimloo? Him. Iranian. Iranian. And then at the climax of the music of the night, there's a very loud high note and then silence, and you hear him breathing in and out. And just, it's so magical. That's Christine.
1: Hear. Oh, is that Christine? That's Christine. That's Sierra Bogus. at that point. It's the Royal Albert Hall recording that you're talking about. It's the about. Royal Albert Hall. Because I'll tell you something naughty. In the scope of the staging of that song, the high note, l- um, let your soul take you where you long to be. That's right, the big one. It's the orgasm. Oh, really? It's There's a whole beautiful sensuality told throughout that song. And floating, falling, at the end of the sweet intoxication is the cigarette. That's how it was taught to me by the director.
0: Oh, that's interesting.
1: And the whole, all of that is the first time Christine feels something and there's an awakening.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And the silence after, only then can you belong to me, floating. All of that is the afterglow. I'm gonna go and listen to it. (laughs) It's fascinating.
0: (laughs) That's Hal Prince, the genius of Hal Prince for you. It is such a sensual experience. And then just quickly before we return to key change, because we're racing towards the end of our program. Indeed. Because you're being so fascinating. (laughs) Things like West Side Story and Jesus Christ Superstar, you obviously enjoyed hugely because you were Judas Oh which yes. is an unusual
1: role for you to oh, play because you're was, always a sort of romantic they, lead they took such a
0: risk on me with that <laughs> oh, did
1: they? Yeah. I wasn't the obvious choice for Judas but ultimately it was an interesting one. Mm-hmm. Um, same for Tony. I'm completely against type for Tony but Matthew Wilde's vision for the production with the Fugard was completely different and you had this big strapping man as Tony. Yeah. Normally it's yeah. Bernardo if you think He's about it. He's the big that, strapping man, exactly. yes, yes, yes. But they made Tony this big lug of a guy. And I think that's why when he falls in love and shows his tender side, it's it's more arresting for an audience because they don't expect um, Teodoro Maria yeah, from that yeah. big guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was interesting. It was, it was fun to, again, I wasn't the right, Age per se for Sweeney Todd, but the the, ga- the age difference between Sweeney and Mrs Lovett in Peter's production of Sweeney Todd was so interesting, you know, Kickstart's version, mm-hmm. because it added a, an Oedipus Rex element to it, which is really interesting. But I think that's always the idea: keep them guessing as to what you're going to do next. <laughs>
0: that's the and
1: go. that's kind of what we do with key change. You don't really know what's coming next,
0: but you're so glad it does. <laughs> Go and see Key Change. Please. Please, go and see Jonathan. <laughs> Jonathan, you've been fascinating to talk to. What are you going to do after Key Change, or is it a
1: secret? I'm going to soak my hands and hope that they are revived. It's a <laughs> heck of a lot of playing. Um, but I, I've got a few more jobs overseas. Ah. Um, I've got a potential transfer that I'm going to go into. And, uh, yeah, it's it, there's a big world out there post-COVID, and it's amazing that it's, it's possible now. But... Um, one person who understood that more than anybody was Liberace. And that is why I've selected this next piece. Well, the last piece, I should say. Uh, yes. Liberace's version of an incredibly popular piano piece. And I'm told that it's the first time this piece will be played at Theatre on the Bay. Um, it's
0: also very, very big in Asia, I'm told. <laughs> Chopsticks. <laughs> you mean naughty. Jonathan Jonathan Rocksmith, thank you yes, very that, much. That's my name, Rodney. <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking forward to you seeing up there with the piano. Indeed. A key change, incidentally, opens on the 20th. Well, the 15th, but from the 20th, that Theatre on the Bay. So it sounds fascinating. You've done a good sales job, Jonathan. So we'll be there. And here's Liberace. Liberace.